The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. And it's time for the Word of God. Would you open your Bibles to Malachi? Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. Oh, by the way, um, uh, I, I told Denise, she reminded me, uh, Elder Denise, uh, children are free to go to children's ministry. If parents, if you want your children to go to children's ministry, children's ministry is open today. And I was so encouraged to see more children back in children's ministry today than I realized we had in the church. So I'm very encouraged by that. So... If you want your children to be in children's church, you're free to take advantage of that. But that's the parent's decision, okay? Malachi. Malachi. Amen. Chapter 4. Two verses of Scripture. Verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I want to talk about where there is no father. Where there is no father. Now, there are natural fathers. There are spiritual fathers. In fact, I'm a spiritual father to many. And just already today, I've received father's greetings from Africa, from states outside of North Carolina, and obviously, I've received a lot of Father's Day's greeting from people here in North Carolina. But there are natural fathers and there are spiritual fathers. Now, spiritual father, they guide their spiritual sons. They guide them in the issues of life. They guide them in the concerns of ministry and how to really walk with God. That's what spiritual fathers do. But on the other hand, natural fathers... They train up their children in the way they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Can you say amen? And the absence of a father is the absence of paternal influence. Huh? It's the absence of paternal influence and preparation. Now, this same prophecy we just read here out of Malachi chapter 4 is also repeated in Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, we find there that Zacharias, the priest, who was the father of John the Baptist, before John was even born, the angel of the Lord appeared in the temple as Zechariah offered incense at the altar of God. 
the angel appeared on the right side of God, and he began to prophesy to Zacharias about John. And among the things he said, he said that John would go before Christ. He would go before the Messiah in the spirit of Elijah, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And he would turn the, obe the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. He would make ready a people prepared. That's the operative word. He would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that's what fathers do. That's the influence that fathers have. The influence that fathers have is to help prepare their children. Now, you've heard of the five Ps, perhaps, that prior preparation prevents poor performance. If your child is performing poorly academically, then you have to ask yourself, has there been adequate preparation? If your child is performing poorly socially, you have to ask yourself if there's been adequate preparation. Because prior preparation prevents poor performance. And fathers have an indispensable role in preparing their children, directly or indirectly. Amen? So, I'm talking about where there is no father. And fatherless, fatherlessness, is one of the greatest ills of our society in this day and time. It's been reported that one-third of families don't have a father presence in the home. And I'm telling you, that is a destructive trend that we all must come to grips with. Huh? Fatherlessness is linked to, listen to me very carefully, it's linked to the major social problems we have in, in our society. Hmm? Problems like juvenile delinquency, gang activity, violence, drug abuse, school dropouts, teenage pregnancy, and even gender confusion. It's all linked to fatherlessness, where there is no father. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And by principle, I say to you that where there is no father, the children perish. The children cast off restraints. The children go astray where there is no father. What is a father's influence? A father's influence is the power. It's the power to produce positive or negative behavior in the child. And that can happen directly or indirectly. You see, fathers, there's some things that we learn that fathers teach. What I'm saying is simply this. Things can be taught or they be caught. When they're taught, they're direct. But when they're caught, it's indirect. But that's the power of a father's influence. Either the father will have positive influence on the child or negative influence on the child. But let's be real about this thing. Let's be real. Everybody doesn't have a father present in their life. But there are father figures. It can be an elder sibling that can be a father figure. 
It can be an uncle, perhaps. Or it could be a coach or a teacher. They all can be father's figures. But let's keep it real. Many single mothers have to wear both hats. They have to wear the hat of being mother and trying to be a father to their children. Now, it is God's design. It's always been his design that a man teaches a child how to become a man. But single mothers have to do the best they can. And so many people have done very well being raised by a single mother. But that single mother had to be the mother and the father. And I'm telling you, it's about influence. Many times you can have a father in the home, and he doesn't impact the child in the way the child should go. And so you don't, you don't want to be one of those fathers where you're, you're present, but you're still absent. You want to impact the child's life, influence the child's life in a positive way. I'm thinking about my father right now. My father was a great man, great provider. And I always knew he loved me and loved all of us, all nine of us, and had children, because my father was a great provider. Not only did my father work as a construction worker, as a master mechanic, not only was my father an entrepreneur, he owned his own gas station, my father did many things to provide for his family. And the thing that sticks out in my mind about my father, now I grew up in the 50s and the 60s. My family has never rented, listen to me very carefully, my mom and my dad and nine children, but we never rented a house. My father always purchased his houses. Now, he didn't spend a lot of time with me. I can only remember one time that my father even went outside to play baseball with me. But I always knew that my father was a good man because of the influence he had on us about what it means to have a good work ethic, what it means to be responsible in life, what it means to live for God and do the right thing. This is how my father impacted me. And, and so I'm saying to you, in the home, some things are taught and some things are caught. And I was fortunate enough to not only have things taught to me, but I was fortunate enough to also catch a lot of things indirectly. Amen? So here we read in our foundation scripture that God sent John the Baptist, and he would be another prophet like Elijah. But the whole point in John the Baptist being like Elijah, being in the spirit and the power of Elijah, is the impact that John would have on God's people. And the impact that John had was to get people to repent, confess their sins, repent, turn to God. This is the influence that fathers ought to have on their children. We ought to impact our children in a way where we're turning their hearts toward us and because we have turned our hearts first and foremost to them. Amen? So this is why the angel said to Zechariah, your son will be born. You're to name him John. And he's going to go before the Messiah. And he's going to go before the Messiah in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. And he's going to turn the hearts of the father to the children. 
And see, that's the issue. That's the problem. Many fathers, their hearts are not turned toward their children. And we need fathers to turn their heart toward their children. This is the greatest gift you can give your children is to give them first and foremost your heart. So John would turn the hearts of the fathers unto the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. He would make ready a people prepared, prepared for the Lord. So what is God saying to us as fathers? Well, God sent Elijah the prophet, not only personally, but he sent him spiritually. And he sent him with a message to turn the hearts of the people. And this is the message that God has for us fathers today. We're called and we are anointed. Did you want to say it? Fathers, we are anointed to turn the hearts of our children. There's three important conversations that every father ought to have with their children. I've had them with mine, particularly the boys, my two boys. And I had that conversation with them probably around the freshman year in high school. There's three conversations we need to have with our children to turn their hearts. The first conversation we need to have, we need to have a conversation about the birds and the bees. Everybody know what I'm talking about? We need to teach our children how to properly relate to the opposite sex. And that doesn't come by osmosis. You don't want that to come from a third person. You want that to come from your direct influence on the child. So you got to have a conversation. You got to have a conversation about how to relate properly to the opposite sex. So many young men in this day and this time do not respect women because their fathers never respected their mother. You don't call a woman the B word. Come on, the H word. That's not showing respect. And I'm, I'm questioning, where is your father's influence? And I'm telling you, where there is no father, the children cast off restraint. They go astray. Huh? So the first conversation you need to have is a conversation about how to relate to the opposite sex and how to be responsible in relationships with the opposite sex. The second conversation you need to have with your children, you need to have a conversation with them about race relations. You need to tell them how cruel this world is, what to be aware of, what to look out for, and how to respond properly when they are the object or the subject of discrimination and prejudice. And you have to instill racial pride in your children. If you're black and your kids don't feel like they're black and they're proud, something wrong with you. Did you hear what I said? And you have to have that conversation with your children. Now, the third conversation you have to have with your children, let me go back to that second conversation. Now, here's what I taught my kids. You love everybody, regardless of their race, their creed, their color. You love everybody. And it's nothing wrong if you love somebody that's of a different race. But it's something wrong with you if you only want to date people that are different from you. Something wrong with you. I have no problem with interracial relationships, interracial marriages, but if you want to date people exclusively outside of your race, you may be telling the world you still hate yourself. 
That may be a symptom of self-hatred. Huh? Now let me get to the third conversation. That third conversation we have to have with our children, fathers, is about how to relate to the police. Did you hear what I said? We have to teach them how to respect the police, how to respond when they interact with the police. Huh? My mother would always tell me growing up, boy, you better obey me or are you going to encounter the man in the blue? And I did. Um, uh, I did. And then my mother's words came back to me. But I was fortunate. I mean, I was detained one time, and my parents had to come down and get me out. And another time, they just threw me in the paddy wagon and just took me to my house. Huh? But my mother used to always tell me, boy, if you don't be obedient, if you don't do the right thing, then the man in the blue is going to beat you. And so I always had that in my mind. So when I'm pulled over by the police, and I've been pulled over many times, I'm always respectful because that's what my parents taught me. Huh? Yes, sir, officer, or deputy, whatever the case is. But I don't have the idea, why are you pulling me over? I didn't do nothing. And more often than not, well, every time I've been guilty, but more often than not, More often than not, they've given me a pass, just a warning. Slow down. More often than not, I remember my youngest son, <clears throat> just before he went off to college, we had brought, uh, leased him a brand new Mustang automobile, Mustang, Ford Mustang. Pretty white Mustang, and one day he and I was leaving the church, and we pulled up to a light. And we got the arrow that says, okay, you can turn left. A police is coming off the ramp. Just pulled us over for no reason. And, of course, they, they run a background check on you and all that. And I said, no, no, sir, officer, I had the arrow. But because the background was clean, he gave me the benefit of the doubt. But I did have the arrow. Joyce and I were coming from a funeral one night from just flew in from New York. It's about 2 a.m. in the morning. In this same area, police came off the same ramp, and he pulled us over at night. And he said, do you realize you're doing 80 miles an hour? <laughs> in a 50 miles per hour zone? No, sir, officer, didn't realize it. I'm sorry. Just being polite. He said, where are you headed to? Home? He said, just live maybe a mile from here. Did the background check, came back and said, okay, you can go. But had I reacted differently and said, why are you pulling me or why are you picking on me? I am telling you, that kind of wisdom comes and it is imparted particularly by a father, but where there is no fathers, mothers have to do what fathers have not done because of their absence. Amen? 
So it's important to have those three talks. Then we need to understand, based on these prophecies, and in Malachi and the prophecy that the angel of the Lord gave Zechariah the priest concerning John the Baptist to be born, we have to understand that a father is a, is a heaven-sent, listen to me, is a heaven-sent prophet to his children to influence them in the power and the spirit of Elijah. Not only are fathers prophets, but fathers are prophets, priests, and pastors, and providers for their children. Fathers should be all of that. Your first pastor should not be Pastor Jerry Williams. Your first pastor should be your father, your priest, your prophet. Your provider should be your father. And because there's been a breakdown in the family, a breakdown in the home, fathers have been absent. So many fathers, even when they're present, they still drop the ball and they don't influence their children in a positive way. What happens when the father's absent? What happens when the father's physically present, but emotionally and spiritually tuned out from his children? Children grow up with a distorted view of how to relate to God, our father in heaven. Huh? They grow up with confusion. How are you going to relate to a God in heaven whom you never see called our Father when you don't have a proper relation with the Father you can see? And see, I strongly believe God's a good provider because my natural father was a good provider. Always provided for us. I mean, a lot of stuff I didn't, I didn't like, or, you know, but it was the, he provided it. You know, I never liked honey growing up because my father bought it by the five-gallon cans. You talking about cereal? Not a box off the shelf, but the big box they compact and ship to the store. That's what my father would buy. And so if we had Wheaties, we'd be eating Wheaties for months. And my father didn't only provide the honey, the cereal, and all that stuff, he would provide the meat. Sometimes he'd bring like a half of a cow home. Then he'd have to find somebody to, to butcher it up. for. And, and so when I grew up, we walked home, you know, you know, from first grade to eighth grade, we walked home during lunch. We lived close enough to the school where we walked home for lunch. But there was a time that my mother was giving birth to one of my younger sisters, and there would be nobody home. And so they packed my older sister, Dr. Hunt, she packed our lunches. And so we carried our lunch to school. And I felt so bad about that. Why I got to bring a brown bag to school? Until the other kids saw what we were eating. We weren't eating bologna sandwiches, we were eating pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> pork chop sandwiches. These are the kind of lunches we carried because my father was a good provider. I don't know what it is to have a bill collector call my home growing up. And my kids will give you that same testimony. They don't know what it is for a bill collector to call their home and ask their father about a past due 
bill or obligation. This is the kind of things that were installed, instilled in me from my father. Amen. So fathers are prophets, priests, pastors, and protectors. And God has anointed you to do that in the spirit and in the power of Elijah, which means you always play a corrective role in the lives of your children. You're training them up in the way they should go. You turn their hearts, and you turn their hearts not just to you, but you also turn their hearts to Almighty God. So let, let me get on with this. Now, now ch- children need parental, parental guidance reinforced by appropriate discipline. Hear me. Appropriate discipline. And when we uh, uh, discipline our children appropriately, not, not abuse them, don't wait till your children get teenagers and talk about whipping them. They will whip you. Do you know what I'm saying? By the time they, they, they're just as big as you, stronger than you. And what message are you sending to them? So I'll abuse you. So when you have children, I want you to abuse them. That's the message you're sending indirectly. Huh? But we're to give our fathers, we're to give our children appropriate discipline. And many times we have to get the wisdom of God on that. I believe you, you start tapping their legs when they're, when they're toddlers. And if you do that, you don't have to do it as they get older. You can reason with them. You can talk to them. But if you feel, you, you, you know, your, your, your child just as tall as you, and you're talking about whipping them, you got to ask yourself, where did, where, where did you fail? Huh? You tap their legs when they really like toddlers. And that's called positive, or should that, well, that's behavior uh, reconditioning or positive reinforcement. But here, here, here is the point I'm making with this, with appropriate discipline. If the discipline is, is appropriate, the discipline is always done with love. Amen. It's done with love and reverence, love and reverence to God. So the normal response of a father is discipline his child with love and discipline. I should say love and reverence. And when the father reverence God, that happens. If a father doesn't reverence God, then that father is not going to discipline his child with love and reverence for God. Amen? Consider Adam. Consider Adam. Adam disobeyed God. And look at the influence that he had on Cain, his son. Cain killed Abel. Look at Elijah. Not Elijah, but Eli. I meant to say Eli. Eli the priest. Eli the priest had two sons. And his two sons were sons of Belial, the Bible says. In other words, sons of wickedness. His sons stole from the offering of God. They lay with women assembled at the door of the temple, the Bible says. And Eli did not correct his sons. He failed to correct his sons. So what happened to Eli? God removed Eli from the office of the priest and he raised up a young child by the name of Samuel. Eli had the same fate 
as Humpty Dumpty, who sat on the wall, and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South, New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.